The following message is a presentation from Grace Baptist Church in Kettering, Ohio. Galatians chapter number 4 and verse number 1. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all. We're talking about a, uh, a Hebrew child, uh, talking a little bit about custom there, a Hebrew child who uh, was not yet uh, grown and mature and uh, didn't really have a different status in the home than that of a servant. It didn't have the full rights of a, of a son, and that would come a little bit later. But he's under tutors and governors. Uh, put it in our language, maybe a, a nanny. He's under a nanny. Uh, until the time appointed of the father. Verse number three, even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But... In the fullness of time, was, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive, and here we go back to uh, this custom or this, this, this imagery about their customs, until we receive the adoption of sons. Because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of his son into your heart, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Father, would you bless our time in your word? This is your word, and we admit it tonight. We want to submit our hearts to it this evening, and Lord, we want to be encouraged from it and gain confidence and strength to continue to serve you appropriately and worthily in this day. And so help us, we pray, be with each class tonight. We ask that you would be honored and magnified in your church. Would you uh, receive glory and would you be preeminent? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We are confined to time and space, right? We're confined to time and we have Time restraints, each of us have 24 hours in a, in a day. We have seven days in a week, 365 days in a year. We only have so much time. Perhaps you have said before that uh, I wish I had more hours in the day. Uh, I've heard that before. People say, boy, I just wish I had a couple more hours in the day. And the, the, the fact of the matter is we'd fill it up and we'd still wish we had a couple more hours beyond that. We all have time constraints. We're confined to time. We all have 24 hours in a day. When... God was creating the world. Oftentimes through the first uh, chapter of Genesis, you'd see him create on a day, and then it would say the evening and the morning were the first day or the second day. And so God, right from the get-go, shows us that he created time, and this is something that confines us. It's something that we're bound to. We, we can't operate outside of it. God operates outside of it, but we cannot operate outside of it, and uh, we are confined to time. But we also are confined to our perspective. And that's something interesting to understand. Our perspective is limited by our time, our place. Our perspective is limited by our experience. And you could probably think of a lot more things that limit our perspective in life. You have a perspective on life. In fact, you and I, though we're sitting in the same room, we all have different perspectives from one another. Uh, you think about the Gospels, and especially Matthew, Mark, and Luke. 
We call them the synoptic gospels, similar viewpoints, but they all had different perspectives on the life and the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, different perspectives that God felt uh, it would be important for us to be able to read and see those different perspectives. If you have one person, uh, two people uh, looking at a crash scene or an accident scene, they're going to have different perspectives. We have limited perspective. We have different perspective. I think about this. Uh, there's some uh, photographs that, that create a little bit of illusion. Would you give me the first one? You've seen the, uh, the ship inside of the bottle. If you were just to look at the ship itself, you might think that that ship is on, the, you know, on a sea, but when you zoom out and you get a different perspective, if you're really close, you'd, you'd see one thing, but if you zoomed out, you'd see, a, you'd see another, another thing. Perspective matters. What about this one? Can you see that well? It's like the, cars, uh, the guy's playing with his car out the, out the window, right? Perspective matters. Uh, these are shot intentionally uh, to, uh, to trick our perspective, the, the way that we view, uh, we view things. We are limited in our perspective. We can't see things from all angles, and we certainly can't see everything from God's perspective. Uh, he operates above time. He looks at time as a, as a whole, and he operates above it. And the Bible tells us in our passage tonight that, but when the fullness of time was come, God at the exact right time allowed Jesus Christ to be sent into the world. Now we look at this verse and Paul writes this verse to the Galatian believers in hindsight. God gives it to us in hindsight. But the fact is God knew the exact time and he had the exact right perspective, the perspective that Paul didn't have, I don't have, the folks going through the Old Testament prophets didn't have the perspective. He had the exact right perspective on the time of when Jesus needed to come into the world. And so we find there in verse number six, but when the fullness of time was come, the exact right time God sent Jesus Christ into the world to bring salvation, to bring restoration, to bring light into a very, very darkened world. A sin-cursed world. And God has time. He made it. He operates above it. He has infinite perspective. Don't you wish you had a bigger perspective of what God's doing in your life? Sometimes you're like, what is he doing? Do you ever think that the Old Testament prophets uh, might have thought, what in the world is God waiting for? Why doesn't he send the Messiah already? But he had the right time and the right perspective. And Galatians chapter 4 really helps us to realize God knew exactly what he was doing as he always knows what he is doing. He knew exactly what he was doing and he sent his son into the world at the exact right time. And we are still reaping the benefits of that. In fact, God is still working. That happened uh, uh, 2,000 plus years ago, but God is still working in the world from that, that moment on. He is still working in the world. Just like he was working up to it, he's working from that as well. And it's an amazing thing that I hope will encourage us tonight. And what I want us to see, first of all, I want us to see God's perfect timing. And it was indeed perfect timing in verse number four. He says, but when the fullness of time was come. Now, think about this. The Old Testament concludes with a promise and a warning. Now, I want you to go back to Malachi chapter number 4 and verse number 6. Malachi chapter number 4 and verse number 6. I want you to look at it with me. And I want you to just get this in your mind and, and realize as the Old Testament signs off, as God, God finishes giving that message to Malachi, it really doesn't end on a high note. Uh, it's not a high note at all. Look at Malachi chapter number 4. 
and verse number five. You don't have to even go back into all the prophets and get lost in them. You can just go to the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi chapter number four and verse number five. It says this, Behold, God speaking through Malachi, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the, com- the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Verse number six, And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of their children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a what? The end. Wow. Now think about that. It was interesting that when they would read Malachi in the synagogues, it said that the Jewish, on Jewish people, the leaders would repeat verse 5 after verse 6 again so that the book would not end with a curse. So as to soften the message and alter the grim reality of what God was saying. God was saying, hey, you don't listen. Uh, I'm going to bring a curse. Uh, You don't turn. I'm going to bring a curse. I'm calling on you. I'm warning you to turn. The key thing that I want you to grab a hold of is is that God ends with this promise and this warning. I'm going to send somebody, but you need to turn. You need to turn to me. But from that point on, there is 400 years of silence. They're called the silent years. Now, someone that says they're, they're not so silent, things were happening in them. What it is referring to, though, is during that, between the, 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 the Old Testament and the New Testament, there is this period where there are no prophets bringing inspired messages from God. The Apocrypha comes out of that time. It's not included in Scripture as, as carrying the weight of Scripture. There was a lot of things that happened during that, that time. In fact, there was a lot, of, uh, a lot of kind of division that was going on in that time. It was a, it was a dark time. God was not speaking uh, through prophets and bringing inspired messages his, to his people. He kind of left, left uh, the Old Testament ending with uh, a warning of a curse that would come if they did not turn, and then 400 years. That's a long time. That's longer than our country's been around. Right? That's a long time. Sometimes we look back in biblical history and we, we kind of, we feel like it must have moved much quicker, but it's 400 years. Can you imagine going 400 years without sensing that God was speaking? This was a dark time. And that's something we need to grab a hold of. During this time, Judaism was very much bankrupt. This was exposed in a a great way. The the Jewish religion was was floundering. In fact, it was during this time that religion was empty and strife was on full display. And you can tell that from all the sects of, of, of religious leaders and different groups that are popping up. And so we find the Pharisees are... Uh, become a group during this time. The Sadducees, the Essenes uh, become a group during this time. The, the scribes, those, those were professionals that copied the law, but really uh, they got their, a little bit of their reputation as allies with the Pharisees during this time. The Herodians, as ones who came up feeling they were Jews, but they felt like it was better for them to cooperate with the Roman government. 
And so they were kind of seen as traitors to their, uh, to their own people. The Pharisees were religious se- uh, separatists. The, uh, the Sadducees were uh, those who denied the resurrection, the doctrine of life again, or, or a resurrection after death, and they denied the existence of spirits and angels. They were uh, typically wealthy people, but they were part of the religious elites. Much of what we see in the New Testament uh, and, and their power structure that they had in the New Testament in the time of Christ came out of this very dark time. So Judaism was bankrupt. Uh, you can just expect that people that were searching for answers were not finding it in that religion at all. But the circumstances, how things were playing out in society, were very ripe for the coming of the Lord, ripe for the good news. I want you to think about several uh, different ways that's the case. Um, the Roman Empire had expanded uh, in, in an amazing way. It was vast. Uh, so, literally, the then-known world was under one rule. We talk about one-world government and, and kind of the horror of that, but that was going on in that, that day. And in a sense, it allowed for uh, the easy crossing of boundaries. There wasn't a difficulty for people to travel across boundaries because it was all under the Roman Empire. So consider that as a positive as we can uh, think of Jesus Christ coming, but the popularity of the Greek language. Now people are speaking, uh, more people are speaking one language. And so that as you think about the good news coming, it was going to be easier to get across the message of the gospel. The Roman road system, there's still, if you look at the ruins uh, uh, in some of those places today over in, the, uh, over in Asia Minor and so on, there's still ruins from some of the roads that were built. Our roads don't last that long. Asphalt doesn't last that long. The way the Romans built roads, they they lasted a long time. But that road system enabled ease of travel, a speed of travel. So when you consider what was going on, you had a very dark time, but you also had some circumstances that would allow the free course of the gospel to spread in an amazing way. And so when God says, in the fullness of time, he sent forth his son. At the exact right moment, God did this. Allowing circumstances to be right as far as the empire and as far as the the culture of the day and as far as the language of the day, it was in the right space and people were hungry for Jesus Christ. They were hungry for something. They were hungry for answers. Now the Jewish people, we understand, says in in John chapter number one that he came unto his own and his own received him not. But there was a dark, a darkness that had swept over um, the land swept over the world, and the world was, was ready. It was the exact right time. And I just think of this. Let's not forget that God knew exactly when to send his son into the world. And it was a dark time. And God still knows how to work in this day. And he knows how to bring light to a city. He knows how to bring light to a workplace He knows how to bring a great awakening. He knows how to bring a revival. He knows how to create hunger in hearts of men. He knows. And if he allows us to be in dark days, it's it's not as if God has stopped working. He has already worked in the midst of dark days and brings good out of dark. John 1 and verse number 4, In him was the life, and the life was the light of men. The light shineth in darkness is what John said of Jesus when he came into the world. The light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Sadly enough, his own did not receive him. 
but it was the exact right time. It was the fullness of time. It was the time that God had determined to send his son into the world. It was perfect timing. But notice the promised Savior. Verse 4, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. God initiated this. Aren't you thankful that God is the initiator of redemption? Aren't you thankful that God is the one who turned on the light? Aren't you thankful tonight that we didn't have to go groping through our darkness to find God? He came to us. He brought the light to us. He sent him into the world. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. This was God that brought him into the world. And it says in John 1.14 that he dwelt among us. He tabernacled among us. He, he set up his residence among us. Uh, Get the picture I showed you a couple uh, weeks ago of the tabernacle and, and the, the glory of God coming down upon the tabernacle. We call it the Shekinah glory, the, the visible presence of, of God in, uh, upon the tabernacle. And uh, we see in Exodus 40 and verse number 34, the cloud covered the tent of the congregation and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. So just get this picture that Jesus came down to earth and they beheld, those that walked around, they beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He dwelt, he came down to be with men. And I think it's a pretty humbling thought to think about the Old Testament believers who, uh, in Israel who had the, the tabernacle and the temple there, and God chose to dwell among men. And he did that in the Lord Jesus Christ. He dwelt among us. God is not a distant deity, God is not some far-off deity that doesn't want anything to do with his creation. Don't bother me. He's not a distant dad. He wants to be with his creation. He wants fellowship with us. He wants fellowship with you. And so he sent his son into the world in the fullness of time. Made of a woman, just as he promised to Eve in Genesis 3, verse number 15, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. Now, this, this was stated to, unto Satan, but this was promised that uh, through the woman that Jesus, that the Messiah would one day come. We call this kind of the, the prototype to the gospel, the, the first mention of the gospel, the early mention of the gospel in Genesis 3 and verse 15. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. And the fact is that through the woman, Jesus Christ would come. Luke 1 and verse number 35 and the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. Mary's like, how is this going to happen? The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee, Mary, shall be called the Son of God. It's going to be God's Son, born of a woman. While Jesus would be born of a woman, he would not possess the sin nature. He would, he would have... Flesh like us, he became, he was incarnate. He was God taking on human flesh. The Bible says in uh, Matthew 1 and verse 23, this is a perfect scripture for, uh, for just announcing the fulfillment of prophecy in, in the case of Jesus. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth his son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is what? God with us. He came down to us. Through man, sin is passed along. Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. Through Adam, 
sin would happen. But because uh, Jesus did not have an earthly father, he was, he was fathered by, by God. He, he had no sin, though he took on human flesh. What an amazing mystery it is. And though it blows our mind to think of the God-man, 100% God and 100% man, the God-man coming down to live among us, God said that that's what he would do. He was made of a woman, made under the law. This is important because the Bible helps us understand that he condescended to be in our situation. Uh, elite people don't like coming down to those they rule over. Don't we see that happening? And doesn't that just make our, our world, you know, people cringe when they see uh, elites saying something and, and they, they don't follow through on it? They just, it aggravates but do you realize that Jesus Christ, the, the creator, came down into the situation of our humanity? What an, amazing, what an amazing God we have. One man said it this way, he put himself under the law that he had made in order that he might magnify it in his life and bear its curse in death. He placed himself under the law. Why did he get baptized? To fulfill all righteousness. He lived completely holy, and he came and placed himself under the law. The Bible says in Hebrews 7 and verse 25, Wherefore he is also, or able also to save them uh, to the uttermost that come, to him by, uh, to come unto God by him, seeing that he ever maketh intercession for them, for we have such an high priest became us. Now I want you to think about that. Verse number 26, for such an high priest became us. He came down and dwelt among us. He came down and put himself in our situation. He came down and lived with us. What an amazing, amazing Jesus that we have. When sometimes you think that God is distant and isn't working in your life and wonder what's going on, just remember Jesus came down to us. He came down and he went through life just like you did. The Bible tells us that he was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. He came down, and he was under the law. I want you to notice in verses 4 through 6 how that God's planned restoration was carried out. Look at it, verse, verse number 5, to redeem them that are under the law. He came down, he was made under the law. Why? To redeem them that are under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. It was, uh, it was said of Jesus Christ, for the Son of Man has come to, into the world to seek and to save that which is lost, Luke 19.10. That was his purpose. His whole purpose was to come and to redeem us, to redeem us who were under the law. And I want us to think about that, under the law. Jesus was made under the law. He came down into our, our situation, but we were under the curse of the law. Jesus Christ was not under the curse of the law. He did not deserve that. He willingly took on our curse for us. He went to the cross for it. We are under the curse of the law. Galatians 3 and verse number 13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. The curse of the law. Now think about that. Think about the impossibility to live a holy life in order to be accepted by God. Think of the, the, the overwhelming burden of our sin before an absolutely perfect law. And, and it is this curse that is upon us. We are under this, this, this 
penalty, under the, the, uh, the demands of the law, under the sentence of the law, and Jesus says that he has redeemed us from the curse of the law by going to the cross and being cursed for us. Being made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on the tree. That was written all the way back in the Old Testament. Jesus went and was cursed for us. Why? So that we might receive the adoption of sons. I love this. The Bible tells us, helps us understand that through Christ we could receive full, the full rights of being a child of God. Uh, the full right of a mature son. We talked about it a little bit as we were reading through. As a child, they didn't have those full, those full rights before the father. There was a time where that, that, that changed in their life. They, they kind of graduated up and they, they received the full rights of a mature son. And in Christ, we receive the full rights of a mature son. And here's what the Bible says in Romans 8, in verse number 17. And if, heir, if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Now let that sink in for a second. I know it's... I know it's Maybe it's been a long day. Maybe it hasn't been the, the most wonderful day at, at work. I mean, maybe you're just ready. I'm pastor, I'm just ready to go to sleep, okay? But can you, can you stop and just grab a hold of the fact that the Bible says that you and I, through Jesus Christ, have received all the rights of a mature son before our Heavenly Father. We are joint heirs with God. Everything that Jesus has in God, we have in God. I mean, that's an amazing, amazing statement that we'll spend all of eternity enjoying and comprehending. What, what a gift we have. Romans 8, 17. Join heirs with Christ. Join heirs. I think of the song, Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. I mean, how is it that we who are estranged and enemies from God, God would take the step towards us, sending his son into the world, born of a woman, taking on our flesh, coming down into our situation under the law, taking our curse that I deserve, and then in turn giving me back as I believe on him, giving me the full rights of Jesus Christ before the Father. That's amazing. And yet that's exactly what he did. So much so that you and I have the privilege, as it says here, to go to him and cry, Abba, Father. Uh, if another child comes into your house and, and begins to uh, say, Daddy, uh, I want, and fill in the blank. It's kind of weird. Not normal. You're not obligated, right? But we have the opportunity to come to our Father with all the rights of being there and, and just cry out to him in the most personal way imaginable as a child. Say, I need this. And what it is telling us is that Jesus opened up the way by coming into the world for you and for me to have a very close relationship with God. Not a distant relationship, not an estranged relationship, not a one-day-a-week relationship, not a guilt-ridden relationship, but a close relationship with the Father. Romans 8.15 says, We have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we have received the spirit of adoption. And that being capitalized, the, the Holy Spirit of adoption, he's given us the Holy Spirit, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, we can come to him and talk to him as our dad, as our Heavenly Father. And we, we oftentimes start prayers out when we, we'll say something like, Heavenly Father, but I, I, I sometimes feel like we, we have some distance there that's not necessary. He is our Father, he's our dad. What an amazing thing. 
The Bible says in 1 John 3 and verse number 1, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. No matter what's happened today, you're a child of God. If you believed on him, you're a child of God. You're called a child of God. What love is this? God said, in the fullness of time, I sent my son into the world. At the exact right moment, from my perspective, I sent him into the world. Have you ever wished that you would have been alive or Jesus would have come in your day? Can you imagine what it would have been to walk with him? Pretty awesome but at the exact right moment. Not in this moment, exact right moment, he sent his son into the world. And here's what I want us to grab a hold of tonight. All of human history culminated in the birth of Jesus Christ. All of it. All of human history looked forward to him coming, and now today we look back on his coming. The world might want to scratch it and you know, you know, push it out of the way or kind of uh, bury it under mounds of materialism and a lot of other you know, secularization. But the fact is, we still, they can't deny it. Why, why are people so bothered by Christmas? Have you thought about that? Why are people so bothered about the statement, Merry Christmas? Why? There's something there. It's a, it's a time that we, we look back on. It, it represents the, the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. It all culminated in him, and it culminated what was God's perfect design in sending his son into the world to bring salvation, restoration, and light into a very dark world. It all culminated there. And here's what I want us to grab a hold of. God has not stopped working out that perfect design that began there or was culminated at the moment that Jesus Christ came into the world to die for sinners. He's not stopped working. And though we might think we we live in some dark days, they were coming out of some really dark days. God sent Jesus Jesus Christ into the world uh, to to bring light into it. But the fact is, God has not stopped working out this perfect design today. And all around us, we can look and we're like, what's going to happen? And you know, how, how is the future going to go? The fact is, God is still working from what he, he began there. And it goes back a lot further than that because before the foundation of the world, God determined to send his son into the world to die for sinners. I am encouraged by the fact that the success of God's redemptive plan is not subject to the seasons and the plans of men. The success of 2021, as far as from God's perspective, does not rest in what happens with men. God's um, plan and his design to bring Jesus Christ into the world and to give light and salvation and restoration, it will continue on. And I am just, I am, I am, Floored by the fact that Galatians tells us at the exact right time he sent them, and God is still working that out. And the amazing thing is we get to be a part of it. We get to be alive in this generation to see how he works it out in this generation. You get to live in that neighborhood to see how God works it out in your neighborhood. You get to work where you work to see how God will work out his design and his redemptive plan in that workplace. You get to be in the family that you're in to see how God is going to work out his redemptive plan in your family. Oh, it's hard. Yeah, it might be, but 
you get to be there. You get to be a part of what God is doing in this grand redemptive plan that in the fullness of time, 2,000 plus years ago, he sent forth his son to be, uh, to, to, uh, to be made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that are under the law. He did it at the exact right time. And we're still enjoying the benefits of that today. We're still uh, seeing that worked out today. And may God help us to have a perspective that's always, always from God's perspective. Uh, now, we can't have the same perspective as he has, but oh, that we would stop and say, you know what, Lord, you're still working. You're still working. And uh, it must have been exciting to be on the hillside when, the, when the, the angels came and broke the news to the shepherds. It must have been exciting to be in the cave where, uh, where Jesus was born. It must have been exciting to be there when the gifts were brought to Jesus. It must have been exciting to see Simeon in the temple uh, uh, holding the little baby Jesus. It must have been exciting uh, kind of in a, in a horrific sort of way on the, the run to Egypt. All these, all these details of Christ's life must have been exciting. We're still seeing God work today and work out his redemptive plan in this age and this year and all that god would just help us to to rest in his timing his perspective for what he wants to continue to do so i don't know where you are this week just know that you are where you are because god wants you there and god wants to use you he wants to still encourage your heart through the gospel but he wants to use you to work out his redemptive plan wherever he set you and uh, maybe we should just submit to that tonight and say, Lord, fresh and new as I walk into Thursday, help me to be your messenger. Help me to be a part of what you're doing in my workplace, in my family, in my city, in my neighborhood, by your grace. Let's pray together. Father, would you help us, um, Lord, not to be discouraged, but to realize that you are always working and you do it at the exact right time. Lord, sometimes we get distracted and we begin to uh, struggle with having the right perspective. May we adopt your perspective exact right time. Oh, Lord, you're still working and you're still working out this wonderful, amazing design of salvation and restoration and bringing light into the world. Use us this week as lights in this very dark world, we pray in Jesus' name. Take a moment there and pray. Lord, I'm willing to rest in your timing and perspective. I don't know what all you're doing in my life, but thank you for allowing me to be a part of what you started back when you sent Jesus into the world. Thank you for listening today. For more information about Grace Baptist Church, please visit our website at gracebaptistofkettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.